CBDC. The Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. In the month of April, the Startup Women podcast will be taking a deep dive into rural entrepreneurship across Canada. What unique challenges do rural founders face? Are there advantages of starting up in a rural ecosystem? What specific support does this community need? To facilitate these important discussions, we could not be more excited to welcome Mary Doyle, founder of Rural On Purpose, part of the Startup Canada Communities Network, as our guest host. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Kayla. I'm so excited that Rural on Purpose is formally partnering with Startup Canada to help empower and champion rural founders across the country. This month on the Startup Women podcast, we'll connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations in Canada's rural startup space, giving you a firsthand look into the rural entrepreneurship landscape and helping rural founders make their vision a reality faster. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Mary Doyle, founder of Rural On Purpose. Welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have Susan Bader on our show today. Susan Bader is the manager of the Community Futures Entrepreneurs with Disabilities Program in rural Manitoba and Saskatchewan. She assists 29 Community Futures offices in supporting the success of rural entrepreneurs that are managing health issues. Susan values rural living and feels fortunate to live, work, and raise her family in rural Manitoba. Susan comes from a family of entrepreneurs and was previously self-employed for 10 years as a sign language interpreter and a consultant. Welcome to the show, Susan. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. When I first met you, I was so inspired by the work that you're doing and the lives that you're touching. You really embody what it means to be rural on purpose and more people need to know about the work that you're doing. So we're going to start with the first question that I I like to ask. We all connect through our stories and everyone I have ever met has a rural story, whether they're living in rural or not. So let's start with yours, Susan. What's your rural story? Well, my rural story is I was really fortunate that my parents chose rural. So they were both Winnipeg people. um, And so they decided on a whim to buy this property just north of Winnipeg, about an hour away. So, you know, we're definitely in rural. Um, We were in a a farming community. Uh, We didn't farm. My parents were city people. Um, And when they bought the, the property, it was pretty funny. They bought it without seeing it. Um, So then they started, people started building it for them and they bought it during farming season. And so it was full (laughs) 
of corn. And so they actually, the people that own the property said, you know, we need to finish harvesting. Can you work around us? And they said, yes. Um, so what that meant is for, I can't tell you how many times a, a year, every time in spring, we were in a very fertile property. So we were, there was mud everywhere. <laughs> and um, so my parents spent years adding gravel to try to build a driveway through this farm field. And I remember how many sets of boots getting stuck in the mud and yelling for dad to come pull me out, pull me out, I'm stuck. <laughs> um, so that's really, really my real rural story, you know, and I've lived in some other places, but actually ended up pretty close. I'm about 10 minutes from where I, where I grew up. So, uh, so yeah, happy to be in rural, love, love everything about it. I love that it was your parents that that kind of directed that rural story for you and that you have really fond memories and that your your parents kind of moved to a rural community and made it theirs. And, and now you're there. Now you're like, because they did that, it led to you and the decisions that you've made and the choices that you've made. And you've helped so many entrepreneurs that we're going to learn about in the rest of the, the interview. So what's the most important thing that you want the audience to take away from today's interview? What I want everybody to know is that anyone can be an entrepreneur. It doesn't matter where you live. And it doesn't matter if you have a disability or health condition. If you're entrepreneurial minded, you want to be your own boss, just go for it. I love that. I, it's all about mindset, isn't it? It is a hundred percent. That's, that's a perfect way to, to start the, the questions. So I want you to take us on your entrepreneurial journey, both as a strong supporter of rural founders and as an entrepreneur yourself, as a sign language consultant. When did you catch the bug, Susan? For sure. So uh, again, I go back to my roots. So I was really lucky. Both my grandparents uh, ran their own businesses. So I was raised in that entrepreneurial uh, family. And then again, with my parents in uh, now in this property, they decide to have a hobby farm. And my dad was really interested in beekeeping. So we he worked, um, because we couldn't sustain it uh, enough to be full time. But we always had this beekeeping business. And I didn't really quite understand that we were entrepreneurial until about grade four. So you picture this, we're in grade four, I'm sitting at my desk, the teacher's talking about home safety. And she's going on and on that when a stranger comes to the door, you've got to have your door locked and you don't let them in. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about this and I'm looking around, nobody else putting their <laughs> hand up. So I put my hand up and I said, how do you make a sale when the <laughs> can't make it through the door? <laughs> and I just don't understand how this works. And she looked at me and that's what I know. Our family was a little different. We were entrepreneurs. And so again, back to that mindset, right? Um, you know, I, I remember being so proud at seven, I got to do my first sale of honey from start to finish. Um, because by then I knew how to handle money uh, well enough. And uh, I didn't need mom, you know, mom and dad were in the background, but they didn't have to be with me. And, and that was a real proud moment of me for me. So I've always been in that entrepreneurial mindset. That's how we were raised. Uh, that's how I've raised my kids. And, um, you know, so from there, I it went on, I, uh, when I became a sign language interpreter, I, I became a sign language interpreter really young, I was 19. So I did my schooling, finished, uh, moved to BC, and then we're working our jobs. And then one day she says, 
they say, yeah, we have this job on Saturday. And I said, oh, well, we kind of already worked Monday to Friday. And she goes, yeah, no, on Saturday, you'll freelance. And I said, oh, she goes, yes, we take freelance jobs outside of our regular 40 hours. I'm like, okay, sure. So I took that. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, I'm self-employed. I need to do my taxes different. I need to start keeping receipts and on and on and on. So, um, you know, and then from there, it just evolved. Um, You know, I did some consulting work. I actually, somebody said, hey, let's have a business awards night. And I said, sure. And they said, can you organize it? I said, sure. (laughs) I've never, I wasn't a, a planner of anything before, you know, other than family birthday parties, but we did it. And I sold tickets and it was a great event. And then I became the awards night planner. And so I was contracted for that. So I kind of always went back to my grandparents. They did whatever they could do to survive. And so they took on whatever jobs they could. Um, And definitely lots of stories about that. Uh, My grandpa trying to build stools with three pegs that that never balanced and (laughs) keep on chopping off more and more and more until they were no longer stools. Um, So lots of things like that. But really that mindset that, you know, if an opportunity comes, if you're able to do it, you say yes, you get it done, always very professional, always putting your heart in everything. And, and that's carried through to my job too, even though I have a job, um, I'm really very much run it as a business in terms of my style of, of choosing my projects, running my projects, keeping track of my own budget, those kinds of things. So I've been really lucky, you know, to to be able to have a job with that much flexibility. And how many years have you been doing this job? Yeah, so I've been uh, 23 years. I've been with Community Futures, always with the Entrepreneurs with Disabilities program. And for the last 18 of those, I've been with the association, uh, primarily with Manitoba, and, and then in the last few years, also supporting Saskatchewan. Entrepreneurs with Disabilities Program in Canada through Community Futures, and it's been in, in existence for decades. That's amazing. That's that's legacy work. And you should be so proud of that. And I want to go back, Susan, to the story that you told. I, I mean... I love the story that you told about stranger danger and how am I going to make a sale? I'm never, I'm going to actually repeat that story many, many times, I think in my my own travels, because I love it so much. Rural entrepreneurs are definitely made, you know, it's your parents had a huge influence on you. And from a very, very young age, this is a story that I've heard many, many times variations of it, but parents who have instilled that, that entrepreneurial work ethic, and that whole mindset. I'm also really interested in bees myself personally. So I, you know, we'll have to talk about that later too, because it's something that I'm fascinated with. And I think it's going to play some kind of a role in my life at some point in time. So it's really interesting hearing that that was a part of your journey as well. Yeah, no, from a very young age, actually, that's how I learned to walk is between the beehives. <laughs> I, I don't know why we didn't worry about me being stung, but I guess it'd be immune. But uh you know, when you're running a home based business, your home is your business, you know, and so that's how it was our backyard was the beehives. Um, so I mean, that's just how we rolled. But it's that immerse, you know, in that whole business and, and definitely in rural, we see that time and time again, there's, there's not, you know, a huge separation between home and home business, it just kind of overlaps. 
Yeah, I think that is so important. And, and, and it is a rural, it is a rural message as well, isn't it? For sure. For sure. Okay. Then the next question, are you seeing more women entrepreneurs starting businesses in rural communities? We definitely are. Um, and uh, some of our numbers talk about that. You know, our community futures organizations are saying 43% of their client base is women. And we're lending at about 29% of our loans go to women-owned businesses and women primary shareholders. So that doesn't include partnerships. So the national average is about 16%. So, you know, we're, we're pretty much double that. Um, and I would say we're seeing in entrepreneurs with disabilities, a major shift. Most of our entrepreneurs with disabilities uh, that, are, that are coming to us now are women. Um, so we definitely still serve men for sure, but the women numbers have continued to increase. That's, those are, those are really, really interesting stats. And um, you should be really proud again of, of that work that you're doing. You're obviously having a really big impact. So can you explain a little bit more to the listeners about Community Futures? What is Community Futures and how are they helping rural entrepreneurs? You talked about lending a little bit and I know about your organization and I know how much value it's adding to, to the, the rural landscape but let's let's hear from you. For sure. So Community Futures has actually been around since 1986. So it's been, uh, you know, tried and true program. So it was a grassroots driven organization. So it's really different. It didn't come from the government down to us. It was people in the communities, in rural communities saying, we need a program to support rural entrepreneurs and then bring that back up to the government and the government being very open and responding uh, quickly and starting this program. So we're actually across Canada uh, from coast to coast to coast. Uh, we're 267 independent organizations and we're third in rural presence. So Canada Post and RCMP have uh, the most offices in rural and northern and we're number three. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so we're definitely out there. And so what we do is basically help that entrepreneur from start to finish. Uh, so they may come in with a business idea. We help them look at that viability. Is that business going to go forward? Do they have all the information? Do they need some market information? Do they need some stats? Uh, do we need to look at the census data? Uh, then we have other entrepreneurs are coming to us for expansion. Uh, they, it's time for them to expand or suddenly they need a new piece of equipment. Uh, something's happened or in the past trade shows, all of a sudden they need a trade show booth and they need a whole bunch more product, how they ramp up quickly. So they're coming to us for those kind of services. And then we go through the whole gamut all the way to succession planning. We know that entrepreneurs have put their heart and soul in these businesses for all their lives. We want to make sure that they can sell their business and retire and enjoy the next phase. So we really help with that succession planning as well. Um, we do help with business plans uh, and make sure that they are ready to go to whatever financing opportunities uh, the entrepreneur wants. We have lots of webinars right now, especially. Um, and so lots of that business training, uh, really meeting the needs of the entrepreneurs. We really listen to them and then try to match the training. And then we provide business loans. And we'll often partner with other financial institutions with those loans. Um, so to help to leverage more dollars in the community as much as possible. So, so like I say, we're kind of an information source, but also a source for financing. 
Susan, not that we needed another reason for people from the city to move to the country. <laughs> but I think that just having all of that information out there for people to realize that this kind of support exists for rural entrepreneurs is going to be really, really attractive. I, I think I think that the the work is is so important. And the fact you've been doing it for so many years speaks to that kind of priority in rural communities. I love it. What key barriers remain for rural entrepreneurs, especially those with disabilities? Yeah, and we've really seen this highlighted again over the last year. So our key issue again is internet speed and cell service. Hmm. And uh, that's an infrastructure issue. That's an issue that's, you know, we need an investment in those services in rural communities. And it really varies community to community. Some are on par with what we're seeing in the city, but there's lots of communities that are not. And uh, so those are, those are some of the general barriers. And I think for people with disabilities, one of the common barriers that they have is attitude. And that's something that's really easy cha easily changed. Um, so often people, especially with a visible disability, um, people make assumptions about what they can do, uh, what they're all about. And so just taking the time, getting to know them and treating every entrepreneur the same, you know, is really important. Um, some of the other issues have been transportation issues in rural, especially for people with disabilities, um, and then also the built environment. So some of our, our rural communities are really have been built a long time ago. Um, some of them have a lot of steps, uh, older buildings, uh, heritage buildings that make it more challenging for people with especially physical disabilities to access. And you really help with that, with the awareness, with the education and with the financial support. So it's it's definitely on your radar as as a an issue for rural communities. For sure. And uh, and I mean, we're really lucky. Canada is making some big gains with um, Accessible Canada in Manitoba. We have uh, the Manitoba Accessibility Office and the new act uh, similar to Ontario and Saskatchewan is also looking at their own accessibility legislation as well. All those things uh, make it more open for everybody, but also makes it more open for everybody to do business, um, which is really important. So why might entrepreneurship be a good fit for people with disabilities or health concerns? So what we find the most is the flexibility, being able to create your own work environment and your own work hours. So disability doesn't always take time to rest, uh, to stop. And so sometimes a nine to five can be really challenging. But with creating your own flexible schedule, you can work when it works for your health. Um, so we have a lot of entrepreneurs that need to take a rest uh, partway through their day, or they may need to attend more medical specialist appointments. Um, so having that flexibility of being able to work in the evening or work in the middle of the night if they want, or early in the morning, uh, being able to work when they are their best um, is a real benefit. So. So that's one of the things we see the most uh, as why it's why it's of interest. The other thing is the work environment, the physical work environment. Uh, so most people with disabilities or health conditions, their home is already accessible. So they've taken those measures. They may have purchased a home or renting a home that's already got a lot of accessibility features. So being able to have a home-based business in that accessible space 
removes the barriers that they might face in the workforce. And the other one is taking control of your destiny. Um, for a lot of people with disabilities or health conditions, especially if that's occurred later in life, they've faced some numerous ba barriers. They've had some doors closed on them. And being having a health condition, you sometimes feel out of control that what, what can I do? What can't I do? So being able to say, stop, no, I, I know what I can do. And being able to take control of that, that that's a real win. And uh, another reason why entrepreneurs with disabilities say, no, I know what I can do. And so I'm going to make a business based on what I'm really skilled at. I love that. And, and I know that it's really empowering and entrepreneurship alone is very empowering. So I can see where it would be a really great fit. Now, I know that we didn't talk about this at all beforehand, so I'm throwing something at you. But because this is a podcast and people can't watch um, any of the videos that show the success stories from your contests that you run every year and some of the, the really inspiring stories about entrepreneurs who have disabilities, can you maybe recall one or two of them or tell us a little bit about something that stands out or someone that stands out? For sure. And there are fantastic stories out there. Um, you know, just amazing entrepreneurs doing amazing things. One that uh, we work with quite often is Lucy. Uh, she runs Little Steps Wellness. Um, it's a farm, uh, but also provides so she uses farm animals for therapeutic reasons to help children. Um, so dealing with anxiety, dealing with a lot of different issues. So she has a, a farm just in Manitoba. And uh, she's done amazing things. She's actually now a book writer. And so on her farm, She's got fainting goats. I've never met them before, <laughs> but I met them now. And so uh, she uh, she wrote a story uh, about how a Wilbur the pig helps these fainting goats to deal with their anxiety. And so that story actually is as has been read many times uh, for I Love to Read Month. And so now she's created some materials to go with it. You can get uh, Wilbur the pig uh, weighted blanket. And you can buy the story and some toolkits uh, for families and for, for teachers as well on, you know, these stories. But it's all inspired from her, her wellness uh, farm. So uh, just a, a great story. And, and her business continues to blossom. And she's doing amazing things. That's fantastic hearing about how she's taken it and, and built all of those different levels and all those different pieces to her business. I, I love it. I've never heard of a fainting goat before. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, you step out of the car and the goats are there and Wilbur comes and visits. And <laughs> it's a very friendly place. So It's uh, not out of her imagination. This is all based on her, her real lived experience. Yeah, exactly. And just the impact that having animals and again, being out in nature and being in rural uh, can really help people's health, you know, and the benefits from that. And uh, I mean, as uh, you know, she's fully trained and accredited. So she, you know, knows uh, what to do to really impact these families. So it's been fantastic. Susan, where do people go to learn about her story and to learn about her business and, and all of the other entrepreneurs that you've been supporting in rural communities? Yeah, definitely. Some of them are highlighted on our website. And then we also have a Facebook page. So our Just Watch Me Contest Facebook page is still up. And there's lots of stories and videos on there. And I would encourage people to 
explore it um, and just to, to see those stories because it's entrepreneurs telling their own story, which is always really, really important uh, because they're genuine and they're real and it's their lived experience. It absolutely is. And they are inspiring. I, I've watched them. Is your contest still running? Our contest hasn't been running for the last couple of years. Uh, we took a we took a pause and just decided that we needed to channel our efforts a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we're we're still capturing stories and uh, and and definitely sharing those stories. Okay, well, everybody who is listening and wants to learn more about community futures and what they're doing with entrepreneurs who have disabilities and how they're supporting entrepreneurs in rural communities please go and check that out because you will be inspired and you will be telling the stories yourself. So what advice do you have for someone who may have a disability or a health concern and they want to start a business? I would ask them to come visit us, um, you know, at Community Futures. If they're in a rural community, come talk to us, see the stories, see what's out there and talk about the resources and go for it, really. Um, Start small, see what works. Um, It might be a side hustle to start with, and that's just fine. Um, But it it lets you explore and see what can be. Um, So yeah, I would just say there's so many resources, so many supports. And the thing about Community Futures, if we're not the right fit for you, we'll make sure you find the right program. We're never afraid to refer you to one of our partner organizations. Uh, We really strongly believe in no wrong door. So we encourage entrepreneurs, just arrive, just ask, and we'll make sure you go to whatever program because too often I hear entrepreneurs getting stuck in the maze Hmm. and they're not sure where to go. And we just say, start, just come to us and we'll guide you Um, because there's so many wonderful organizations that we partner with um, and we're happy to to make sure the entrepreneur gets gets the right fit for them. So you you answered my my question already. I was going to ask what can Canada's collective entrepreneurship community do to help and um, I think I think that uh, you answered that partly. Is there something you want to add to that? I think that I would just ask entrepreneurs to think about entrepreneurs. Um, you know, we've all talked about the shop local, but the shop local also starts with business owners. So making sure you're supporting other business owners and being an ally. Um, So if you're seeing you met an entrepreneur with a disability, finding out more about their product, it might not be something that you need, but maybe one of your other entrepreneurs that you know needs it. So shopping local, not only for our daily goods, but also our business goods, I think is is really key. And uh, just treating entrepreneurs with disabilities and health conditions as you would any other entrepreneur bringing in them into the community, offering that business advice and support. Um, I think that's really, really important. And it, and it can be as simple as adding a hashtag. There's a hashtag entrepreneur with a disability. Um, so next time you have an event, next time you're promoting a product, consider using that hashtag. It's a simple little thing, but what it does is it opens up opportunities and, and provides that support. So I think any Anyway, we can all help each other out, uh, especially in these times is what we need to do. Susan, I I couldn't agree more. And I I love talking to you. Every time I talk to you, I come away inspired. And I want 
I want to keep learning more. And I love the idea of using the hashtag. I hope help a lot of the listeners decide to search that hashtag and use it themselves. And if you're looking for more inspiration, please contact Community Futures. Please look, reach out to Susan. I, Susan, are you open to people connecting oh, with you personally? Always, for sure. I, you know, I'm a kind of an open book and always willing to share stories. I have lots of them and, uh, and, and always willing to help people find resources. And if Community Futures isn't the right one, especially if they're in urban, we're in contact with all the urban providers as well. So we're happy to make sure that you're on the right road um, and come back. If you, if you get stuck, come back. And I have lots of people that phone me back and say, hey, that wasn't right. And I said, that's okay. Let's have that conversation. And uh, that's what I'm here. Uh, that's my role is to be a support. And so I'm always happy to chat with anybody. Well, that's fantastic. And your comment about supporting urban entrepreneurs as well. I think you've just done that by, by letting them know that there's this great support for rural entrepreneurs out there. It's another reason to make that jump to rural. So that was an interesting little addition that we had to this whole interview. Susan, thank you so much for being here today and for sharing all of your information about Community Futures and about your amazing program. We're gonna stay in touch. Have a great day and keep doing the work that you're doing. Well, thanks so much. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. To learn more about rural entrepreneurship and to plug into the Startup Canada network, visit www.startupcan.ca or www.ruralonpurpose.com. Until next time, I'm Mary Doyle. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the full potential of women.